Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Never, Lord, remove that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to a well-worn passage in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 9. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 9. Solomon, the wisest man, the richest man, gives us some incredible insight in Ecclesiastes 4 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one. He goes on to say other things, of course, about the power of just more than one. And tonight, I want to speak to you for just a little while about the strength of together. The strength of together. There's something significant about being together in this house tonight. Amen. I don't want to reach back under water that's already passed under the bridge, but in 2020, we learned overnight the, the importance of coming together and and. All of our efforts to continue forward with church, I applaud and I'm thankful that we were able to do that. But oh, what a refreshing it was when we were able to come back together. There was just something about being together. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated. Thank you for your praise and your worship tonight and to our musicians and singers. Always, amen, they always bring us into such a rich atmosphere. And that's not because their day went perfect. Not because nothing went wrong this week in their life, but they press through that, creating an atmosphere where we can come in and enjoy, and I appreciate them so very, very much. There's another familiar passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter 18. I want to read a couple of verses from there, Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, again, I say unto you, if two... Of two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And verse number 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. When we think about that power of together, the strength of coming together. On the day of Pentecost, the New Testament church was born and I never get weary reading that story, the power of the Lord falling. The church didn't just happen. No more than uh, creation just happened, just as an end result of some tragedy. But the church didn't just happen. It was the product of God's purpose. It was the end result of a methodical plan, and it was certainly the end result of many, many prophecies that had gone before it. The church is the centerpiece, and I believe the crown jewel of redemption. I'm thankful for the church and what it represents. When I say the church, I'm not necessarily talking about a building, of course, 
although I am thankful for a place that we can come and worship the Lord, especially given the many congregations across our nation and around the world that really don't have a designated place to be able to come and worship. It's meaningful that we can decide tonight we want to meet again tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, and we don't have to ask anybody. We can just come, and what a privilege that is. And I'm thankful for the church house, but I'm thankful for the body of Christ, the redemptive body. It is the, it is the footprint of what redemption is all about. Jesus Christ shed his blood for the church. He hung on the cross for the church. He rose and went away, and he said, I'm going to come again, and I'm going to get my church. It was all so that the church could be born. At Pentecost, God's plan of redemption for mankind came to fruition. It was the years of prophecy, as I mentioned a moment ago, and that's why Simon Peter could emphatically say, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is not a secret. This didn't happen in a back room. It didn't happen in a closet, and this is not the manifestation of some wild man's idea. This is God at his best. I believe the manifestation of God's plan is found in the church. It started with 120, and then we read about 3,000, and then we read about 5,000, and from that day until now, God's church has continued. It has continued through addition. It has continued through multiplication. And the church, there has been seasons and times where the church has taken on a little water, but those that were remained in the ship recognized immediately that the church is resilient because it is God's plan. This is God's idea. Amen. So in through addition and through multiplication, the church has flourished in such a manner that it reaches around the globe. And so just like you could take the key of the literal key of C and you could ring it on one end of the United States and it will ring the same on the other end of the United States, I'm thankful for the truth of God's word that is found from center to circumference. All of Samaria heard the word. Then the Gentiles were entered and ushered into this resolute nation that is called the church. I want to I want to be very intentional about that phrase. Amen. That the Gentiles were were ushered in to a resolute nation that we know as the church. The church is not anemic. The church is not frail. The church is not on its last leg. The church itself is not dying, amen, but the church is a nation. Whenever the Gentiles entered into the nation of the church, it was no longer known as the Jews or the Greeks or the Medes or the Persians or the Asians or the Hispanics or the African Americans or the Caucasians, amen, no longer was it known because God began to break down that middle wall of partition. And when we are born again, we are born into the nation of the church. I'm thankful for the church. The church is multicultural. The church is multi-ethnic. And the church is multi-purpose. God can use his church anyway, anyhow, and anywhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. It can work in a, it can, it can work in a uh, cathedral. It can work in an auditorium. It can work in a, in a football stadium. Or it can work in a storefront. It can work in a home, in somebody's home, in a kitchen, over a dining table. Amen. God's church is a magnificent thing. Amen. God's answer to the sin question 
And God's answer to the world's problems is found in the dynamic effect of people from all over the globe that learn how to come together as one. That I believe that the church is bound together. I believe that we are woven together as Solomon mentioned. Amen. The blood of the new covenant, the death of the cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and ultimately the name of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful to know the power of that name. That is not a name that we use loosely. It is not a name that that we just randomly toss out, but there is authority in that name. Amen. There are men and women in this building, those joining us online, that have had the name of Jesus spoken over their body and they were healed in a moment of time. Or their circumstances were arrested and turned 180 degrees. Anybody in this house relating to what I'm talking about? Amen. The name of Jesus. That's not just something we're, we're being flippant about. The name of Jesus. There's something that is powerful about that name. Amen. That name has all authority. And so we don't necessarily have to holler that name, scream that name, declare that name. I know sometimes in our emotions and because of how we are made that sometimes that's how it comes out. But I can tell you that if you're not able to do anything but whisper his name, there is as much authority in the whisper of the name of Jesus as there is authority in the thundering sound of the name of Jesus. I believe that the synergy of the Spirit is so well illustrated by the words of Jesus that we read in Matthew 18. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. I want to tell you tonight that this scripture is not an excuse for a small crowd. This, this, this scripture is not an excuse for nobody showing up. Amen. This scripture is a powerful promise where two or three are gathered together in my name. Here's what John, here's what John saw in the book of Revelation. He saw a multitude that was without number. And, and, and however, the power of the church is not in the number, even though John saw a multitude without number. The power of the church is when there is any number above one that gathers together in his name. Amen. When, when two people get together, we can have church. When three people get together, we can have church where any two or three, amen, it is, in, it is in that bond that the church has now shown up. This assembly, I believe, can happen in a parking lot. Amen. It can happen on a playground. It can happen wherever you are. As a matter of fact, all of us have had some, or at least perhaps most of us, or many of us have had an incredible experience in an unorthodox setting. A few days ago, my wife and I were leaving a restaurant with Sister Tenny. She had been at our district conference, as many of you know, and she spoke to our minister's wife, our minister's wives on Friday morning. And uh, so she was getting ready to leave to go back to Louisiana, and they were leaving to go to the airport in Orlando, and so we had gone out to eat. And I just knew all afternoon that I didn't want her to leave Florida without laying hands on my wife and I and praying for us. But I wasn't exactly sure how this was going to unfold. And so I kept waiting for that, oppor- you know, that real opportune moment. And uh, those moments were turning to hours and, and, and it wasn't really presenting itself. And we were in a restaurant and everybody had, had gone and Sister Tenny was the last one there. The lady driving her had gone to get the car and 
there we stood. We were standing. The restaurant was packed. People were everywhere. And I just thought, it is now or never. And I said, Sister Tenney, before you leave, I wonder if you would just lay hands on my wife and I and if you would just pray over us. And she said, I would be honored to do that. And in that moment, she just laid her hands on us and began to pray. And the Spirit of the Lord, she didn't jump up on a table. She didn't say, hear ye, hear ye. She didn't command any attention of anybody that was walking around. But whenever she laid hands on us and began to pray over us, I thought maybe, just maybe, <laughs> there'll be enough distractions around us that nobody will really see what's going on here. But when she began to pray, I felt the sweetest and the most powerful presence of God that just swept in that room and in our hearts. And when we finished praying, I opened my eyes and across her shoulders there were two ladies that were sitting at a table and she looked at me and smiled. She said, that was awesome. <laughs> and she said, before you leave, would you like for me to take a picture of y'all? And certainly we had her take a picture of us. I didn't realize it, but my wife actually knew this lady and uh, it was uh, one of the, uh, the daughters of the lady that owned the, the restaurant we were, that we were in. And so she knows a lot of people that go to church. And so she, did, she understood the whole thing. I, I understood the, a little bit more about her as time went on. But here's what, what I'm trying to say. Amen. God didn't need that just right atmosphere. God didn't need that opportune moment. He didn't need anything that even looked or sounded or felt like church. Amen. His power was promised because we agreed on that one thing. All the power promised to the church is manifested no matter the size of the crowd, no matter how many may be there or how many may not be there. The promise to the church is where two or three gather together in my name. Amen. One man named Philip went to Samaria and he converted an entire city and they repented and were baptized and they were healed and, and delivered. And the Bible talks about great joy that was in their, in their midst. But Philip couldn't do this alone. And so the apostles came and with the help of the Holy Ghost, they finished the work that God had started through the man Philip. And this happened because the apostles said, we're going to join together with you. This is not a one-man band. This is not a one-man show. And he prayed for his converts to receive the Holy Ghost. And so I'm thankful that we can see example after example after example where God never intended for us to serve out our time by ourselves. Simon Peter, with a few others from Jerusalem, opened the door not only to reach a nation, but all the nations of the world. The mounting pressure of the prophecies, almost if I could... If, if, this afternoon while thinking about this message and in final preparation I began to think about the mounting pressures of prophecy amen that gave birth to the New Testament church thankfully I've never been around a volcano I'm not suggesting I would ever want to be around one Brother Brad Thompson, one of our missionaries and, and those in those countries are very familiar with them. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty common occurrence. But there's something inside of the earth that just can't be held back. And after a while, and I know most of the time it is devastating, but, but there's a pressure within the earth that can no longer be suppressed. 
there is a heat, there is something that just cannot be held down. And it may smoke for a little while. It may smoke for weeks or days or even months, but there is a mounting pressure that must give way. And I believe, hallelujah, that the Old Testament prophecies, with all of those prophecies that were being pushed forward, there was a mounting pressure of prophecies that yea and amen. And one day it will. Hallelujah. And so that's why I say that Acts 2 and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was not a random thing. But there was mounting pressures of prophecy that kept going until it could no longer be hid. It could no longer be held. It could no longer be suppressed. And like fire of tongues, it began to set down on everyone that believed. Hallelujah. Because the middle wall of partition had been broken down. Simon Peter and others that believed. And they began to preach this message. And men and women and men and women began to come together. They were all in one place. They were all in one mind. They were all in one accord. There was no distinction of ethnicities. There were no nationalities. Amen. Racism was destroyed by the preaching of the gospel by Simon Peter. Division was swallowed up when the Spirit of God began to fall on the Gentile household. Oh, I know they held a meeting. I know somebody had a gavel in their hand. I know somebody was saying these uncircumcised, they can't have. But whenever somebody began to sit down and reason with them and say, didn't they speak with other tongues like you spoke with tongues? Didn't they have the same experience? I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the power of the church. I'm thankful for the strength of being together. I'm glad that we can come together in this hour. I'm glad that we can come together in this day. Amen. I don't have to judge you and you don't have to judge me. I don't have to weigh them and they don't have to weigh me because the blood of the Lamb created a a common ground and it created an even ground at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the blood. The church grew. It spread so much so that in the space of two years, the Bible says that all of Asia heard the word. Amen. And that's all happened. Not because somebody was shrewd enough or somebody had a silver tongue or not because somebody knew how to spin something just right. It happened as an end result of spirit-filled people. And yes, there are times when we all feel alone. But in those seasons, what we need to remember is I need to shine what light I have. Praise God. I've always tried to be honest. I've always tried to be forthright. The Bible talks about Romans 15 and 1 that the strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak. And there are sometimes we are weak. And there are sometimes we go through storms that we are not sure we're going to survive. But what we have to do in those times is just shine what light we have. Amen. There have been times I felt like I had a beacon that could reach from one corner of the world to the other. But there have been enough another time, other times I didn't know if I could see to make my next step. But I wanted to shine what light we have. Aren't you thankful for generations of people before us? We're not here today because their world was wrinkle free. We're not here today because they had no peril or problem or pain or sorrow. We're here tonight because Holy Ghost filled people said, I won't stop. I will not quit. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to service one more time. I'm going to lean in one more time. Praise God. Amen. And here's what happens. When we shine the light that we have, 
Amen. And that energy in the light of what somebody else has comes together. And we begin to harness the power of our light together. It is that together light that can dethrone spiritual powers from its illegitimate place of authority to begin with. Amen. You take what light you have, and I'll bring what light I have. (laughs) Somebody else bring what light they have, and together. I may not be able to do this alone, but together we can allow and harness the power of this light to expose uh, spiritual powers that do not belong in, in authority. And darkness can be dispelled because light is the ruler. I believe that we're approaching a time of great light. I feel this in my spirit. And we're approaching a time when the revelation shines from every pulpit around the world and every open Bible and every bended knee. I want you to hear me now. I know I've been talking about this a little bit, but it is stuck in my spirit. I'm not just talking about it here. I'm talking about it everywhere. God gives me a pulpit to talk about it in. Amen. I believe that God is meeting people and he will meet people at their place of hunger and at their place of need. And from there, God will bring them into the revelation of the truth of his word. Amen. I believe that we need to just stop praying. I, need, I think that we need to stop only praying for people that we know by name. Or people that are related to us. Or people that we know. I'm, I'm, I don't ever want us to stop praying for our prodigals. And please don't misunderstand me. Amen. Don't ever stop praying for our prodigals. And don't ever stop praying for lost loved ones. Or friends. Or acquaintances. But, but I believe that our prayer needs to leave a, a plateau of where may we, maybe we've been hanging out too long. Amen. I feel compelled. I have mentioned this a lot. But I feel compelled to pray specifically for the revelation of the oneness of God and the revelation of baptism in Jesus' name, the revelation of the fullness of truth. Amen. You define that how you may. I know I'm in an apostolic church tonight. Amen. I've been praying, oh God, create a hunger and answer those that are hungry because I believe that hunger is the key. My morning prayer has been consisting for weeks on end now of praying for the revelation of the truth to come, or should say months. Amen. I've been praying for many months now, leading up, especially on the weekends. And I, you maybe maybe you think I'm selfish here, but I know that most pastors on the weekends are doing what I'm doing. They're praying and studying, scratching through the Bible, and saying, "Oh Lord, help me, Jesus." Amen. There's people that are coming and they need to be fed and they deserve the very best. They deserve the very best. And so I've been praying on Friday evenings and praying on Saturdays. Lord, somewhere across our nation, there are pastors in their home. They're in their offices. Amen. They're preparing for a service tomorrow. God, let the light of revelation shine in their heart. It doesn't matter what they're studying. It doesn't matter what their subject is going to be in the morning. Oh God, you can open their eyes and let them see. But I don't stop praying there. And I say, Lord, when they see it, give them the courage to stand up and do something about it. Amen. The courage to understand the strength of together. Amen. The power of coming together. The Spirit of God can touch their heart and touch their minds. I'm going to tell you that I believe that God is going to turn the rudder of entire congregations, if not entire movements in this hour. Amen. And so I say, Lord, let your light shine. It's not 
not my light, it's your light. It's not my truth, it's your truth. It's not my word, it's your word. Just let this light shine. Amen. Oh, sweet Lamb of God. Amen. I've talked about something through the years. I want to mention it again tonight. The anointing of prophets, priests, and kings. I believe there is an anointing on a prophet or the anointing of a prophet. It is anointing where God uses mankind, humankind, to communicate His Word. And God will use a prophet to bring direction and He can use His prophet to bring correction. However, the role of a prophet does not ensure that people do the right thing. Or historically, the role of a prophet has not ensured that people will do the right thing. Because often a prophet is a prophetic word. You know, sometimes people hear the word prophecy and prophet and they think that that means the guy that can tell you what you're going to have for lunch tomorrow. Or what you had for lunch yesterday. But a prophet often is just simply... A voice of warning. Ezekiel was a prophet. Highly and mightily used of God. But many, many people ignored him. That's right. And the Bible says of of Ezekiel that they hated him. The Bible talks about how much he was disdained. And then later, as you begin to read about the ministry of Ezekiel, you'll read where... Where they say people are just going to come because they want to hear you speak. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They just like how you speak. And Ezekiel, they're coming to hear because they like how you sing. They're not in love with the message of the God you're singing about. What I'm talking about is in your Bible. Some of you are looking at me a little curious, but it's there. They just want to hear you sing. And they just want to hear you preach. They just like how you do things. They like how you say things. They like how you lay it all out. But they're not interested in the God that you're talking to them about. But Ezekiel, just keep preaching and keep singing. Because one of these days in judgment, I'm going to call you forth. When they say, I've never heard this. When they say, I never had a chance. When they say, I never had an opportunity. They're going to say, hey... Come here, Ezekiel. You remember this guy that was laying on his side all those weeks? You remember the guy that was laying on his other side? All You remember that guy that everybody mocked and everybody poked the fun at? You remember him? I had him as a voice of judgment. Amen. And so many times the voice of a prophet is not a voice that's going to be heeded, but it's a voice of warning. Amen. Then there is the anointing of a priest. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying here tonight. Amen. I didn't feel too hot in my body when this all started tonight, but I'm feeling a little better now. Praise God. I might need somebody to help me home, but I'm feeling better now. There's the anointing of a priest. Amen. This is an office, an anointing where a man represents the people of God. He represents rather the people to God and he represents God to the people. That is the anointing of the priest. The priest went into the holies of the holy. Etc., etc., people to God and God to the people. It was the daily administration of caring and, and praying, and, and it was for God to help save and have mercy on the lives of others. But again, a good priest, even a good priest, did not ensure that the people were going to be living right before God. And then there is the anointing of a king. No other office, no other office so determined the blessing or the cursing of the people than this special place in the kingdom of God, 
the anointing of a king. Amen. This office was the thermostat that determined the blessings. It determined the victory or it determined the cursing or it determined the defeat. When Israel, you remember it, you're reading through the book of, of, of Kings, you'll read things like this. When Israel had a righteous king, everything else fell in place. But when Israel had an evil king, everything started falling apart. Amen. The king made provision for the priest. And he had respect of the prophet. And Israel prospered. Amen. The anointing of the king is an anointing of authority. Amen. That's where I'm going tonight. Amen. The anointing of a king is the anointing of authority. And this, anoint, this anointing or this authority brings expansion. And it brings deliverance for all the lands that surround the kingdom. And so remember this. Amen. I know perhaps many of you have read the story many times. But it always stands out to me. That here is a man named Nehemiah. This is mind in his own business. He is a servant, if you, if you please, for a king. And he is there and one day the Lord begins to trouble him and burden him about the walls that have been destroyed and the gates that have been torn down. And Nehemiah said, oh, i just got to do something about this. I've got to do something about this. And he came to bring and bear the cup before the king. And the king said, I'm talking about not a holy king or a righteous king, but the king said, Nehemiah, your countenance don't look right. You look sad today. You look like you got something on your mind. Looks like something's laying you down and Nehemiah began to share with him the burden he had to go to rebuild and do the work for God and I want you to understand and don't ever take for granted or skip past that passage of scripture that mentions that king writing him a letter of authority to go and rebuild that wall and to go and rebuild those gates I hope you're with me tonight amen I'm going to tell you that we need a prophet and we need a priest but we need the authority of a king Nehemiah I'm I'm glad God moved on your heart and I'm glad you're burdened. I'm glad there's something in you to do a work for the Lord, but you've got to have some authority to do it. And so when Nehemiah went to the people, he said, you do see the distress that we are in. But he said, I want you to know one thing. I've got the hand of God on me, but that's not all. I got a letter. I got a letter from the king in my pocket. I mean, it's not just the anointing of God. And when somebody shows up and said, who gives you the right to be here? he's going to pull out that letter and say I've got the authority to stand right here I'm going to tell you tonight amen there's something about being together the church amen we need the authority of a king on us and the church has the authority of the king and so that's why we don't need to sit back and we don't need to play second fiddle and when the spirit of darkness tries to come in hallelujah we need to push back against it and when the, when the enemy comes in like a flood the Bible said we're going to raise up a standard and hear me and hear me well it doesn't matter how high the water of the flood gets the standard is always going to be higher it's always going to be above the grade of the water hallelujah 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 I've said it over and over and over that the king had no vested interest in the wall or the gates. But God got a hold of his heart. And his authority brought respect from other kings and other rulers. By what authority are you doing this? Well, amen, by the authority of the Lord. The king's authority brings other rulers into respect and, and submission to godly authority. 
And no other anointing brings victory and purpose as the one that is demonstrated by David. Amen. This third dimension of anointing is how things are set in order. It's authority. Amen. This is how people of different callings and anointing can function in fullness and liberty because there is an authority. You couldn't just have a bunch of spirit of prophets running around. You have chaos on your hands. Spirit of priests running around. There needs to be a spirit of a king. There needs to be some authority, some order. Amen. Well, I've, I've got to stop meandering because time's getting away from me. This is how we're all kept in check. David made provision for singers. He made provision for priests and prophets. The Bible talks about the spirit of a prophet being subject to the prophet. And, amen. There's, there's, there's an order to the work of God and workers and warriors and worshipers. And all of this was all under the rule of a king. They were able to flourish in their giftings. They were able to function in their calling because there was an, an anointed authority. Praise God. You will never find anything more orderly than the church. There is order to what God is doing. Praise the Lord. And so when we enter into this third dimension of anointing, we're able to see the power move through the body of Christ and we're able to see great things done. I believe for years the apostolic church has functioned in the role of the priest and the prophet, but I believe that God is bringing us into a time where we are going to see unprecedented growth and influence. Because of this additional empowerment of God's favor upon his, upon his people. Now I don't believe that, that this is something special for just one person. I want to be very clear here. Because I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the strength of together. That the church would operate with the anointing of a king. I believe it is a promise that God has set for this time. And I believe that he intends for his whole church to come into this place. To reign as kings. To walk in authority and to continue to represent God to the people and people to the God. To God. When we think about the Azusa Street Revival happened almost 117 years ago this coming month, April the 14th, 1906. It was a, a, a historic Pentecostal revival meeting that took place in Los Angeles, California and led by William Seymour, an African-American preacher and many of you know the story. But the revival was characterized by this euphoric spiritual experiences. It was accompanied, of course, by the speaking in, in tongues. It was an Acts 2 representation. Those participants received criticism, of course, from the secular media. and They received a lot of criticism from Christian theologians. And their behavior was considered by some to be outrageous and unorthodox, especially for the time. But today the revival is considered by historians to be the prim primary catalyst of the spread of Pentecostalism. However, this was just simply the beginning. In 1800s, in the 1900s, it was, it was the industrial revolution in the latter part of the 20th century that we entered in, into that century that we entered into the information age. And information, I believe we would all agree, is the fuel of industry. Information, knowledge is power. On the same level, Azusa Street was in the spirit and industrial revolution, if I could use that parallel. It reinstituted the working of the spirit. However, we are entering into a time where the revelation of biblical truth is, is bursting onto the scene. Hear me. 
And nothing and nobody but God is going to be able to harness what is going to happen. It is what I mentioned a moment ago, that volcanic pressure. The pressure of preaching. The, pre the pressure of prophecies. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Amen. I'm not talking about the pressures necessarily of prophecies in the scripture or preaching from the word of God. I want to bring it more common. I believe that there is a building pressure of prophecies in our day and preaching in our day that is just boiling in the earth. Amen. And nothing is going to be able to harness I believe that we are living in a day where many are going to be baptized in the body of Christ. Amen. And I believe that it is time now to wake up and stand and sound the alarm. Amen. I believe to use a biblical term, it is time to put forth the sickle into the harvest. And somebody asked, well, how do we do that? I believe we do that by the same methods that were used on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. There's something about the strength of together. Let me tell you something. Why do you think the devil works so hard to get division in the church? We need to wake up and shake ourselves when he's trying to use our tongue and our ears and our eyes and our mind. Because he understands if, if these people come together. And so if there can be divisions and cliques and there can be you know, little groups here and groups there and this side won't speak to that side and that family won't speak to that family. He's done his job. Because he understands the strength of together. The strength of together. Amen. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. I'll ask our musicians to come. <clears throat> so how do we do this? I believe that we should never discount prayer and fasting. I know we have times of corporate prayer and times of corporate fasting and there's nothing wrong with that. But we also need to be obedient to private times that the Spirit of the Lord draws us away. Amen. And I believe there is a drawing away. I believe in that with all my heart. Paul talked to the Corinthian church about even husbands and wives fasting and, and just feeling that and confessing that and and saying this is what I need to do for a season of time. There's something a drawing. There is something that we feel in our heart. And then come back together. Lest they be tempted. Amen. That's scriptural. My point is that there was a drawing. There was a yearning. There was something that was pulling. Not just the body as one. But God was moving in our own lives. In our own heart. In our own home. Prayer and fasting. will put the oil in the lamp. Because. As we know the story in the New Testament, it was not enough to be chaste virgins. <laughs> we got to have our lamps burning. There were chaste virgins that had no oil in the lamp. And so we can abstain from this and abstain from that, and we can talk about all the things we don't do and all the things that we do. But if we don't have prayer and fasting to put some anointing oil, some power and kingly authority in our lives, then we are just marching in place amen so we got to keep our lamps burning because darkness is always there <laughs> always there I can talk about darkness around here because we all get it lights go out boom 
darkness. And so what we, what we lose sight of in all this light is that darkness is stalking. It's right there. All it's waiting for is for the light to go out. When the light goes out, you don't hear darkness scurrying around and say, wake up, fellas, come on, we got to go. Uh-uh. When the lights go out, darkness is there. Amen. I'm not trying to sound negative tonight. I'm just telling you that we've got to keep our lamps burning. Amen. Because something like nothing has ever happened before, I believe, is going to erupt on the scene of our world. It is erupting. And we need to be ready. It's not going to happen. Pardon me. I'm going to take that back. It is happening. As a matter of fact, the Spirit is being poured out as we speak. I know unless you've been under a rock, you've heard about the revival at the Asbury College campus, but that's just one instance. There are many instances of that around our nation and around the world. It's not getting the media that this is getting, but the Spirit of God is being poured out. Amen. It really is being poured out. And and if we're not careful, we can be so distracted by what the enemy's doing. Until we don't realize what God is really doing. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. Amen. Holy Ghost, pour out. Amen. God, help us to move. I wonder what would happen if we begin to pray and fast. I'm not just talking about because somebody called it and scheduled it and put it on the calendar and gave out pamphlets of how to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I've been behind all of that, so I'm not being critical. But I wonder what would happen if we would just hear that hunger and that yearning in our own spirit and just be drawn away. Amen. I'm going to say this tonight, and I, I don't want you to take it out of context. But on more than one occasion, I've had men that I trust prophesy some unbelievable and almost unspeakable things of what God was going to allow me to see. I've had the Spirit of the Lord give me visions of what I would see. I haven't seen that yet. But I didn't stay home. Amen. I didn't ball up in a wad and say, well, Lord, it hadn't happened now. It must not going to be. No, no, no. Amen. I'm going to hold on to that. Amen. And in my most weary moment, I'm going to believe God and trust God. I believe that God has ordained that we together would be a part of what God is doing right now. Amen. Amen. This is not a personality movement. I believe that this is a sovereign will of God. Amen. I wonder if we would just kind of gather around the front tonight. Amen. I know it's not unusual to end our services this way, but I believe that we need to join hand in hand, heart in heart, spirit in spirit. Amen. That God would help us to be everything that he's created us to be. Amen. I want to continue to feel this building momentum in the spirit. Amen. Lord, touch our hearts. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.